we could make a course on how to podcast. <laughs> how to specifically how to set up your microphone in 30 minutes or more. <laughs> because it's a hit or miss for me. I like that. Yeah. Well, okay, we are. It's Sunday, so happy so, Sunday. Yeah, happy Sunday. <laughs> I beat you to it. You did. I decided against the race, oh. you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a little competitive, so I'm sad that we've we've lost it on that, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't want to. I should find my own thing. Is what I'm realizing. Like your own intro, or something. I don't know. Yeah. All right. I look for. I look forward to it. <laughs> um. How's it going? We saw each other yesterday. Um. That was fun. Yeah. Since then, uh, I haven't done too much. I followed Halloween festivities, which I should preface for anyone listening. They were not like, there were no big festivities, just Cam and his partner and me and my partner. Um, yeah, big old party. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, you already know this for people who don't. We, you know, had some coffees, walked around and saw a bunch of spooky houses, made some cookies that didn't turn out very well, <laughs> and played some games, Dutch Blitz. And then, That's a yeah. Good game. yeah. Yeah, it was super fun. I was like actually a little bit bummed to not finish the second round, but like not, not actually because I know there'll be times in the future, but <laughs> just it won't happen as quickly as, you know, in real world non COVID times because you don't see people that often. But I really liked That's the game. True. Yeah, it was fun. And I was happy to finally like beat Diego, your partner, on one of the rounds. He's obviously, it's like, that's probably one of the problems when you like are the board game person and you play with like people who don't do board games a lot is like you're always going to have this like upper leg. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's fun to win, but it's also kind of like um, I'm sure he also enjoys like having some competition, <laughs> especially in, in that game. Like for anyone who doesn't play, like it, it requires a lot of like attention, but also speed and dexterity. So even for me, like there's a, a point in the game where you have to kind of like take three cards off the top of your pile at a time. And I'm so slow at it. And I want to make sure that I'm not taking like two or four. Like there has to be three, you know? So yeah. like I'm, I'm like, ding, ding, ding. and like people are just like whipping through them. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so slow. But uh, anyways, yeah. it was fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I, then we watched uh, Quiet Place after, which is a horror Sounds movie. Like a romantic, uh, uh, you know, nice, calm movie, I guess. Yeah. The premise Quiet is like place. you. <laughs> the premise is you can't speak or like aliens kill you for the. Oh, that's okay. kind of like the overview. Um, it was actually pretty good. I almost fell asleep multiple times throughout it, but then there were enough like scary scenes that kept me awake. <laughs> Um, and if it seems like to anyone that that's a lot to do for Halloween, it is. I'm obsessed with Halloween and <laughs> I was lucky that my partner scheduled a bunch of, uh, Halloween-esque activities. So it was a fun day yesterday anyway. Yeah, that was great. Considering my best alternative to that was going to be sit around in the house and do nothing. Uh, mm -hmm. it was like way better than that. Way better than most Halloweens, I would say. Yeah. What a fun. compliment. <laughs> <laughs> i'll take it though i'll take it honestly no uh, it was just nice to have like it's nice that he took the time to like plan that and like do something special like it just goes to show you don't have to just sit around and like get used to the day day to day actually yeah. it was super strange because like we took the ttc the like subway home yesterday 
and at one point i was just like it's a saturday night on halloween and right. like this would be a completely different situation any other year pri- uh, previous where like you would see like i don't know people dressed up on every like train and like they'd all be like wasted and like yeah. we maybe saw one person wearing like a wig or something and uh not yeah it just had nowhere near the same vibe and it's it was interesting it was kind of just i still wake up every now and then and i'm like where am i like yeah what is this i know it's it's like it's so it's so funny like i mean it's not funny but it's like interesting in the movie last night there was like whatever there was this alien takeover but they had all these like newspaper articles plastered on the wall and some of them seemed realistic for right now it was like u.s shuts down you know like and i'm like well you know like we might see that you know like next week and so uh anyways like it's just i don't know it's funny uh so yeah it's an it's an odd world that you're living in when horror movie news headlines resonate um it's all i have to say about that 100 percent. so i don't have a ton of like podcast worthy stuff this week so i figured maybe you can kick us off and like get uh, get us up to speed on what you've been up to yeah for sure i thought you're gonna say so maybe we'll just like talk about our favorite halloween costumes throughout (laughs) our entire lives no i'm just kidding either or (laughs) Uh, (laughs) depends like what kind of podcast people are looking for today um yeah definitely so i think um the last time that we chatted i had just finished my javascript course so i was kind of like yeah i want to take a couple weeks to just like I don't know, have some relaxation time, some extra time after class. And it has been um, great just to have some more time to myself. I think um, it's, I was definitely in a space before taking the class where I was taking that time for granted. It was so easy to almost feel like work ended and then I don't really know what I did. And then it was kind of bedtime and then I was working again. Mm -hmm. And now I think like that I, I realized and took so many weeks of like having very productive time during like that 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 those evenings that now it was it was easier to like make it a mix of like okay finish work and go for a long walk while you listen to a podcast and like maybe read a book do some writing which are things that I like doing um so that's been uh really nice um and then yeah outside of that also I've just been trying to walk more because I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast I think so but I've been having a bunch of like back issues they're slightly they're slowly getting better um or changing into less intense back pain in areas so that's good so i've had this responsibility of watering my brother's plants for a month now so that has really gotten me on like these long walks with a mission but he's coming back tomorrow so i need to like i don't know either find someone else to let me water their plants or just you know (laughs) walk on my own um but no it's been good you gotta get a dog that just forces you to walk like that's that's true the only reason probably that i go outside several times a day <laughs> yeah i guess it like really keeps you at a regular frequency but i i uh i got a spin bike which you know this week so i've been I, i've only had it this week but it's been nice i've been like kind of waking up before work um or earlier in the morning to do that uh and it's just nice to just like i don't know get your brain and your body going rather than kind of transitioning for me from like sleep to work so that's been mm-hmm. a bonus um yeah yeah that's um, kind of like personal. Do you, when you, uh, like you had the laptop up there or was that, that was for Diego? Do you put like, do you just listen to a podcast or do you like put on a show or anything like that? Or what do you like? Do you just kind of like bike and like 
and uh, power through it. Yeah, for me, I do like an actual spin class. So um, there's like a bunch of... So we don't have a Peloton bike, but you can just use the app and do classes there. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't have all the... Like there's certain things I can't see, like numbers that they'll... Like your cadence, so like how fast you're going. I can't see that on like the screen, but I can see things like my heart rate. So... And I have a general idea of like what they're asking me to do in terms of like how quickly to go because you can see the people. But um, I used to really like going to spin in person when that was an option. Um, So yeah, I basically do like more traditional spin classes. But I know other people do things that are more like they use other apps that are more geared towards like emulating outdoor cycling, which Diego and my my younger brother is really into that as well. Yeah, I kind of like, I don't know. I don't even know the terms. You like make more resistance, like you're climbing up a hill and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's totally the right word. So basically like, like, yeah, you generally like classes will be like a combination of a bunch of different types of intervals. So you might um, do like really hard work, like high resistance while you're in your seat. You might do slightly lower resistance and faster pace, like working on speed. And then there's like kind of generally three different positions and spin so two of them are like out of your seat. So you can also work on like speed and um, resistance in, in, in those positions. And it's just like mm-hmm. kind of depending on the instructor in the class, they just kind of like mix it up differently. Want to hear a funny story about yeah. uh spin bike? Yes. When I was in uh, second year or third year of university, I moved in with one of my good. Well, he wasn't like a good friend at the time, but we became really close friends. And we lose. We lived like right near a Walmart, and we would go there all the time. We loved it. I don't know. We were just like <laughs> obsessed with going and like getting our like whatever. We did like groceries there, but also just we would go through all the aisles, and we there was always this spin bike, and we would just go and like I don't know obsess over it. And we were like, oh man, imagine we could have that. Like I don't even know why we were so obsessed with this. And then like towards the end of that year we like agreed basically my friend was like let's split the spin bike like and we were super broke that was the thing like we had no money and it like we were scraping by and so we split the cost of the spin bike with the promise that like when we did move out uh he would kind of like buy me out of it okay yeah (laughs) and so we got it and i think i used that thing like once and he used it like (laughs) three times it was just like but we had such idealistic views of how we would go with that so i don't Uh, think i could allow myself to buy a spin bike (laughs) that's uh yeah that's fair i've I've been in those positions where i buy things that i'm like i'm gonna use this so much and then like i'm like i can never justify buying such a thing again um yeah yeah for this one i like I'm like, I'm like a numbers kind of girl. So like for me, I like took the cost and I'm like, okay, and this is a cost of a spin class. Therefore, I need to use the bike this many time to, times to break even. And then like taking the, the cost of like a monthly subscription to classes and like this is how the break even shifts. So I keep a tally so I know because it makes me feel good. I did the exact same thing with the last time I bought a bike with you, actually. Yeah, I kept yeah. a tally so I would know when I broke even based on TTC <laughs> rides or like uh, public transit rides. I think I did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, Like I paid off. I remember getting like a nicer bike and then not having to take the TTC. Like it does help when your transit pass is like 150 bucks a month or something around that. And you can quickly pay off a bicycle that way. Yeah. I think like the bike I bought with you was, I think it was under $200. I, I don't think I spent a lot of money on that one. And then like, 
But then I remember, I think I like broke even, but then I got a bunch of repairs done, which were around 300 or something dollars. And then my bike was mm. stolen. And I was like, dad, the break even yeah, though. Mine like, got stolen too, right after it broke even. So oh, I was man. like, all right, that was fine. <laughs> but yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, you can use this bike to commute to work as well because you're basically <laughs> working from home yeah. all the time. So you, you just like cycle your way there as long Set as you want to and yeah. then stop hop off at your at your <laughs> my laptop yeah easy yeah. easy um uh, yeah so those are kind of like personal updates um and then i guess i have some updates around work and then a couple around which i meant we kind of brought up with you yesterday but like a project that my partner and i are, are hoping to start working on mm-hmm. so in terms of work i like don't always talk too much about like what i'm doing there but i think um for people who don't know i'm an agile coach so i work with um squads or teams um, at my company to help them um, figure out how essentially they can deliver more efficiently or deliver in a more agile way. Um, And so uh, right now, what I've been working on for the past three or so weeks with uh, the squad that I'm with right now is uh, they're a squad that was previously ran with Scrum, which is an agile framework like a a while, while back, and then kind of transitioned to Kanban. Um, And so the thing like a big difference between Scrum and Kanban is that Scrum has a lot of prescription to it. Like there's very specific types of meetings, which you'll sometimes hear called like rituals or ceremonies that that people run. And um, yeah, just like a lot of very prescriptive requirements. Uh, whereas Kanban has a lot less. It's very much like uh, there's only a couple things that, that you need to keep front of mind. Um, things like uh, visualize your workflow and then like restrict your work in progress. And there's some additional like uh, Kanban practices and um, like, what's the word? Uh, and principles as well. But like for the most part, uh, it's like pretty simplistic. So what oftentimes people, teams who transition from Scrum to Kanban end up in the space where they're like, now I don't know like what types of meetings we should have or what they should look like or what we're missing because nobody's telling them what to do. So so teams often just try to figure out like where, um, you know, the holes are. They'll often adopt some of the ceremonies that they did in uh, Scrum. Um, but then you kind of just end up with like a, a mishmash. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes not so much. And so what we've been working on is doing like a very dedicated review of all of the existing meetings, which sounds very boring, but they're more like participatory workshops to figure out like what, like, like what are some of the best practices of these types of meetings? What does it look like in scrum? What could it look like in Kanban? What are we mm-hmm. doing and like what's working and what's not? So it's like, basically I've been working on creating some dedicated space for us to figure out like, are the things we're doing serving us or are they like, are they just waste? Like what's helpful and what's not. And so it's been, um, that's been like a super interesting thing that we've um, been working on. I found previously when I worked with, teams in person it's been a lot easier to just like have existing ceremonies and like tweak them slightly as we go along and I don't know if it's a it's a product of being in a remote world or the type of team that I'm working with right now but we've really like shifted into like making them very dedicated review sessions and then like ongoing feedback um, which has been uh, a change in terms of how I generally approach things I feel um when I went over like when I went from ecobee which was we were operating in like heavy scrum like very kind of like by the books and 
And then I went over to like a startup at Luca and it became like, it was, you know, just a smaller team. Um, but we were reaching this point where it needed some process, uh, especially for like a big project that was coming up. And yeah, that's when I started like kind of referring back to my like favorite parts of agile and, mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, like basically taking like agile, the good parts and being like, you know what? Like it was really helpful to have like a weekly planning meeting and it was really helpful to have a uh, retrospective at least like, and maybe you don't do full meetings. Maybe it becomes like a 15 minute part of one meeting if you want to like keep the meetings down and we would have daily check-ins, you know, or daily stand-ups and Mm -hmm. like take those parts that were really crucial and then kind of like, push out some of the stuff that was less helpful or maybe like a little too process oriented for a small startup team that needs to move quickly and make changes but i did find a lot of success when we found that like when we did find the rhythm i found that we got um a lot better at being able to it wasn't it was like being able to do our work better uh in terms of code but also just like communicate with like non-coding stakeholders Mm -hmm. uh back and forth between like you know like we we did user stories as well with like good acceptance acceptance criteria written down like so everything was clear and we would like go over the tickets like um together and and that stuff really helped us um to just move together and be on the same page um so kind of i think reminds me of that yeah i think it like you kind of hit the nail right on the head. I remember like a, a years back, I was kind of working on a, a presentation for a nonprofit that was a non-technical company and they were, but they were interested in, in agile and what is agile and how could that apply to us? So I kind of put together this presentation, um, which was basically like agile fundamentals for non-technical teams and just like h- how uh, like the different like values and principles could be applied. And there was like a really interesting, uh, pretty short book that I think, think is free online and it's called like scrum and kanban making the the best making the best of both yeah and so it's it's this idea of really just like you know when you go back to to agile at its core it's really just this like set of four values and 12 principles people Mm -hmm. have made all these different frameworks or they've taken older frameworks like kanban and adjusted them to or or just realize that they work well in an agile space and i think the reality is is that like you're not you're not bound to any of those things to be considered an agile team. It's like figuring out like, you know, where are we falling short? What are the types of things that we want to achieve? Where are we not like, you know, living up to certain agile values and principles? And therefore, like, what do we need on our team? Um, I think for like early teams, it's super great to have a framework like Scrum where you can just follow a set of rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's great when people try to like identify those downfalls and incorporate different things from different frameworks i think where oftentimes you see stumbling blocks or or things like really not working in companies is where instead of them trying to like figure out like what the issue is and therefore like what is what is something that we could try they're like i heard that daily scrums make teams agile so they try to do that you know but like often not in a way that like uh, aligns with what the meeting is actually meant for. We were kind of having a conversation about this yesterday, but all that to say, like, I think it's really great when teams try to figure out like what works and what doesn't for them from, from different frameworks. And I think where people often like hit walls is when you just like 
do something because people say it's agile. Like that's that's probably not going to be that helpful for you. Maybe marginally, but like in the grand scheme, you're not going to see a lot of wins. Yeah. Just doing agile for agile sake, like doesn't really get you there where you want to be. Uh, I've seen that too. And you just, yeah, like that's why, yeah, when I don't know, a client or someone might like throw that out as like, you know what, we got to just go agile. And it's like, okay, but what are you like, what are we looking to do there? Like, let's right. peel that back because there's so much more to that that like, just putting a framework in place like yeah like you said it can solve some things but not not everything and like yeah it's it's by default like going to increase your communication between like the stakeholders and it's going to make you like reflect and it's going to make you like uh communicate more often so that you know where you're at but there's still like you know if you still have um i don't know like i've seen cases where you do all this almost like by the books and then you have this like external stakeholder that is just like wreaking havoc on like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, well, I don't care what your sprint says or I don't like, you know, we need to do this now. And so like if you have these like external like I'm really chewing on this a lot, like trying to figure out because like I've seen it so many times where, you know, you try to have this like autonomous like team that can make decisions, move quickly and like act as professionals but then there's like outside people that maybe have the final say on things and they're not but they don't have like so much like it might be like a higher up you know right uh like a like just someone yeah that is not able to join all these meetings and so you end up like trying to think like that person and what would they want and like it can and uh and it can really like just show that like just putting the process in front doesn't stop the pain because you'll end up just fighting like with this framework that's intended for like high autonomy, like self-motivated teams to like ship early and often or yeah. whatever that you're going to end up like running into walls because you're not getting to the core of the issue. I yeah. Don't know and I think resonates, at the beginning, but. you also kind of touched on it, like asking people like, what do you mean by agile? Because well, I mean, we have our dictionary definition of it. And then there's this whole agile movement, which has like very specific things associated with it. But then there's just like, I think a lot of people just have a certain conception of it in their mind. So if you ask someone like, what do you mean by you want this team or this company to work in an agile way? And like, you might sometimes get responses that are just like, well, like I want to be fast, you know? And and, and it's like, okay, so that's great. And, you know, like working with certain sets of values and principles and, and and working in certain ways can enable us to be fast. But let's also talk about like how a lot of things are going to differ from the status quo. Like we're, we're not going to build products or release the types of products or the, the size of products that you're used to. You know what I mean? Like, like, like things look a lot different if you want to enable like that fastness. And I think a lot of times when people say I want to be agile and they want to enable that fastness in their mind, they're just like, I just want to, I still just want to do the whole product at once very quickly, you know, and, yeah, and, and yeah. like that misses the mark on a lot of things um, where like the heart of a lot of agile is like we, you know, ship small increments and we iterate on that. And that's really the heart of like what being fast is and, and how important it is to do that because the feedback enables us to also release better products if we're like really taking it into account. So it's not just like 
We can't just work in a silo and do scrum and release a massive product and get the same results as if we were like on board with shipping MVPs and and, and like pivoting very quickly on those. Um, so I think understanding other people's definitions is really important too, which is something that I struggle with in my job too, because uh, everyone you talk to will have a different understanding. Yeah, I think there are... Um, yeah, pe- like honestly, like if you're going from like non-agile where you're just like pulling all these tickets, but you don't have anything prioritized and these things, like you might actually end up moving slower, moving to something like Scrum or Kanban because you have to take more time to then go and like prioritize those tickets and make sure that you're working on them in the right order to get out this like defined MVP that you set up or something. But then uh, at the end of the day, it's like if the if the goal is like we need to finish all of these things before this is like if that's going to be the case where it's like we need to finish every single one of these and then we can ship it it almost doesn't matter like if you that's just going to be a waste of time to go and put in all the effort to like estimate each ticket and put how much like time each one will cost and like which ones are the high priority and then we sort them in that order and it's like you know that takes a lot of time to communicate on an ongoing basis and uh, like unless you're willing to ship that like bare bones version of it and i think i'm you know i've seen that and uh like an analogy or whatever that comes up in this space a lot is like you know you build a, a skateboard then a scooter and then a car and then it's yeah. like a lamborghini or whatever and then there's another way of like you know you build a wheel and then you build the chassis and then is that even how you say that word i don't know i know what you mean though yeah (laughs) and then you build like the the body of the car and like then the the engine and that stuff like you can't release just the engine Mm -hmm. you know uh so that doesn't help you exactly um but you can release a skateboard and then you can release the rollerblades or the scooter or whatever but here's the problem is like what i've seen is like if your main stakeholder and this goes back to that autonomy thing like if your main stakeholders don't want a scooter or a skateboard they want a they want a lamborghini yeah then you need to find a way to like get it closer to that like because i i've seen this where we're like you know what we'll just make the bare bones thing and it's like yeah but it's not good enough to put out there um based on our standards and so then it's like well maybe there's still a way to prioritize so that it looks like a lamborghini but it's missing some of the like internals you know like you don't have a speed gauge on the inside to know how fast you're going you don't have the like manual shifter or like i don't know things like that like uh, just to keep that analogy going where you're like it looks like a lamborghini and it has like a lot of the behavior of it but it's like then you add those like additional things but you need to know what your like baseline is for like the minimal minimal shippable product or minimal sellable product yeah i think Um, it's like if also if you're a company that thinks that that you sell lamborghinis and like that's your 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 like standard of service and people love you that much for it then it's like okay then you probably have individuals who are like passionate about like passionate enough about what you do that you have people who can be like alpha testers beta testers for you and 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 like they're just going to be excited to be a part of that and you can learn so much from it and so like you can build the whole lamborghini if you like are if you really w- want to take the risk that like people might hate it once you're done because nope you've got no like no real world feedback on it right so like mm-hmm. that's people do it all the time it's it's just this idea of like 
literally the difference between like traditional waterfall and agile is like waterfall. Like, yeah, you do all of these steps in a row, which like often doesn't work, but let's say it does. What you end up is with this like big bang release at the end, but it's also just a big risk. It's like a massive risk. So you can take it and, and people get lucky often, right? Like, like frequently. And so that kind of reinforces also doing things that way, but you can also reduce that risk and, and increase your chances of like creating the right thing by like splitting that into smaller chunks. And and like you said, like I think there's there's ways to release there's very innovative ways to release high quality products. Here's an interesting example. I don't, have you heard about how FreshBooks like redid their whole like version 2.0 of FreshBooks? I don't think so. I'm probably not going to explain this super well because I I only know at high level, but essentially like they had an older platform which was FreshBooks. And they had like a similar concern of like, we can't we can't release like a reduced feature platform to our users because they're so used to this. So they literally like built their new generation platform under an entirely different brand and put that out into the market so that the people testing their product were like people of the same demographic, like the same people that would buy something like FreshBooks. Um, but they were able to essentially test it like in like a, I don't know, incognito mode until they got to a place where like, I, I gather like NPS was where they wanted the feature set was where they wanted it. And only then did they move like all of their core users from the old platform to the new platform, because they could be confident that like we've covered our bases. I know not everybody has like the, uh, I don't know, maybe resources to do something that big at that scale, but it's like an interesting example of figuring out how does that fit? in my world how could i do something like that how yeah i think you see that with like companies i don't know like paypal or like these massive like banks and stuff that are you know stuck on super old dot net like um kind of stacks and they're just not up to like kind of the presentational standards that we might expect or that users are expecting in terms of like speed and just general like performance and and look um as well on and so what you end up seeing is like like the main screens that people are using like you work on those first the main Mm -hmm. features it's like work and this comes down to like yeah analyzing your like um like prioritizing based on kind of like where your users are and what they're doing and it's like if the main thing they're doing is like checking their account balance and like sending e-transfers like you focus on changing those things over first but right. yeah, is it going to be a bit of a like or not even a bit? It's a janky experience when you go from like this nice slick new page now to like this crusty old one when you go to check your credit card balance instead of your checking account. Right. And there's this disparity, but like, you know, there are only so many ways that you can do this and then you have to just like understand that like we iterate upon that each at each step of the way. I think um I don't know, it's like it's, it's really interesting when you like look back at like where this all came from like waterfall happened because like we used to have to ship on like discs exactly. you know not yeah. me like i i've never been there but like as like when you were putting code out there you would have to go and ship it on like a cd rom or on on like floppy disks and like once it's out there there's just like bugs until you ship your next version like yeah. you you're not like sending updates through the cloud and stuff and so yeah it made a lot more sense to go like with a year-long development cycle and then a six-month QA and then like um like refactoring cycle or whatever because you needed to make sure it was perfect but like we can go and put stuff out and then yeah if there's bugs like fix it within an hour 
if it's like urgent nowadays. So like, I don't think enough people think that way. And I think, I don't know, I think there's a lot of room for education in this space. Like, you know, even you just talking about that, um, that workshop that you did, like turning that into a course or something like there's room, there's so much room to like help teams get better at this. And, um, I don't know. I'm seeing like a lot of uh, opportunity that like, yeah, people don't like, I've seen some really great uh, videos and workshops on agile. And like, I've gone through the gamut of like ways of going about it. And like, and the one thing that is absolute that I've realized is just everyone has a different opinion of what it is. And Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I think like there can be some like, recommendations around you know start here and then start tweaking like here's a really great suggested recipe and then you start like tweaking with whatever you want to add to it I yeah. don't know, there's a lot of oppor- opportunity to educate in that space to help teams kind of get better at the communication and the process that needs to happen there yeah that's that's fair it's uh yeah and, and for me it's also like i will i think that agile and like different frameworks of it is really this opportunity to give a lot of autonomy to teams to operate how they want. But sometimes it's difficult for people like to come together and figure out how to do that. And all of these people have day jobs of their own. They're developers, they're QA engineers, they're site reliability engineers. So like, yeah, they need to perform well in those spaces. So sometimes taking the time to figure out all these intricacies um, is a lot. And it seems like, especially if it's not something you're super interested in, like you're not going to, probably take that upon yourself so yeah it's nice to be able to come into a space and just um help facilitate people to get there and then like be able to like step back when they kind of end up in a a more well-oiled position i guess Mm -hmm. um yeah so that was uh yeah that that went in a cool direction but um that's kind of like some of what i've been working on with one of my one of the squads that i'm i'm working with right now um and then, oh yeah, so like good news, which you already know, but I was promoted last week, so that was really exciting for me. Yeah, um, thank you. Not surprised, but thank amazing. you. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's like nice. I haven't been there for too long, um, but I was like hoping that this would uh, go in this direction. So yeah, I'm super pleased. I think like uh, it's important for companies to review at regular cadences, like where their employees are at, like regardless of like when you came into the company or, or, or like what your assumed starting position was, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's good to see how people are contributing, um, to your company, like at a, at a regular interval. And I'm, I'm glad to be at a company that does that. Um, and then, yeah, I guess, uh, I won't steal too much time with this one because there's not, I mean, it's only super high level right now, but, uh, outside of work, um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm fine to like, kind of like share what the, the high level of this one is uh, mm-hmm. my partner and I want to kind of take on um, this project, which would be like a small business endeavor um, in the form of a Slack app. And so um, the background on that is that um, a problem I'm trying to solve is that, which I think I kind of just alluded to is that the teams that I work with, I don't permanently work with them. And so there's certain automations and solutions that, you want to be able to put in place so we don't have to like put that manual burden on individuals on the team. So one thing uh, that comes up frequently with teams that I work with is this idea of sharing responsibilities around facilitating different things or being responsible for different things on the team. Oftentimes that's facilitating different 
meetings, like stand-ups or retrospectives or tech topics. And so right now, something that I do at work is I have like a uh, like a more just like, I don't know, manual. It's not a manual workflow, but it's like not an ideal workflow. It's like a spreadsheet, which syncs to like an automation app, which reminds people like weekly who's responsible for what. And so I've done this for basically every team that I've, I've worked on. And I, any team that I've worked with often have this even in a more manual fashion. So they just have like a confluence page where they list who's responsible for what. And so the idea here is basically just to be able to have like uh, a Slack app that you can easily add to channels um, and set up rotations based on channel members. Uh, it could be all the channel members. It could be a subset of them. And then be able to set like a, a frequency at which um, you rotate through those members and then be able to set reminders around that as well. So it's a pretty like simple idea. Um, but I think I, I believe there's quite a use case for it. I've seen other people try to do this in the form of a Slack app as well. So um, that provides some confirmation to my thought here. But I think it's also like an interesting thing for us to just um, work on together. And it's something that we're both interested in. So I have a bunch of reading to do on kind of the the current way of how Slack apps are being built because they use like all these concepts of like different blocks, which is a bit different than how they used to be built. Um, and so I'm trying to learn a bit about how that would work and kind of how uh, I would imagine the different kind of user flows working for this. But uh, it would be my partner doing the the development on uh, this effort. Yeah, so you're thinking, actually, yeah, that was one of my questions that I wanted to ask is like your role being more around, I don't know, figuring out like the UX side of things and like kind of like how this should like kind of speaking with stakeholders or maybe potential customers and like how this might um, work for them, like at what capacity and then he would be handling like the code side of things. Like how would you... I don't know. Do you have more details on how you want to split those responsibilities as well? And like things like, I don't know, uh, copywriting or sales or like kind of like taking that on a like day by day basis or. Yeah, I think that's a good question. It's actually not something that we've sat down and explicitly talked about. I can tell you what I assume based on our conversations, which is that like, prim- like he would, he will own the development side of things. I will likely primarily own like, product user flow that kind of stuff but i think very much in collaboration with him i mean like he's built websites and apps for a very long time now so i think he also has a lot of great insights um in in that space uh but then in terms of like basically all business activities that you alluded to whether it be like figuring out copywriting or sales or that that will be like my realm of of uh of work for sure uh that's cool um I feel like there's also opportunity for you to like learn like it's a small s- smaller scope in some of the coding like for that you could like kind of review at least or like see how the code like is coming together and kind of like learn some architectural principles out of like how to build this out. Yeah, um, I think like uh like like I I don't see myself doing development work on the project. What I the space that I do want to be in is probably similar to like in my previous role when I, when we primarily built web scrapers, but like I had a very deep understanding of like how these scrapers worked. I could like easily read through the code and like understand like what was happening and how it was working. And if there was like 
some type of a last minute emergency change, I could understand like what needed to be changed and how. Um, mm-hmm. To be clear, not that I'm like passionate to do any changes on this, but just that like, yeah, I would like to understand like to some degree the initial code base. Um, but we'll see kind of how realistic that is um, or not with my level of understanding. I think it definitely, I don't know. I've, I've seen like, you have the, like the data, like mindset of like understanding, like the impact of what changes can have in, like, I've seen how you've worked with that in uh, like previous roles where like, I, I just think you have like a better um, baseline, even without, being a developer now that you're like learning development it's probably going to build more empathy towards that and, mm-hmm. and whatnot but like i already thought that you had a pretty good baseline for that knowing that like oh if we like we could just do this like saying like saying something and then not really understanding like the massive downstream effects like that it might be a database schema right. change or something like i feel like you have pretty good understanding of that from working with some other tools where you've maybe had to make those types of changes even in a no code scenario Mm -hmm. or something that like you can understand like if you change like i don't know the way something works like i'm trying to stay in generics here but like um that it can have pretty massive downstream like yeah that like sometimes simple alterations are are not what they seem and i think that uh especially for like often a lot of like junior product or project managers that's uh, a huge downfall if you don't have a technical background is like not understanding that just ask like oh i just need this small xyz like that's not what you're asking you don't like Mm -hmm. not knowing that you don't know what you're asking for i think like there's a certain level of like needing to be like very humble and very inquisitive um because for me like i mean those are not the types of asks that i have to make anymore in my role because that's not what i do but Mm -hmm. um that was a big learning curve for me for sure yeah yeah i think like that will be kind of what you're saying is like you want to understand like where this product is so you know what levers you can pull exactly. or change or whatever and that that's pretty cool um i yeah a few other comments on this like i like that you're like i think building a slack app or like building inside of an ecosystem where there's like i don't know you can get into their slack um directory of like app directory or like if you were like a Shopify plugin or like add-on or a WordPress add-on, right. like those are very good like starting points of like a thing to build because you don't have to go like you are you don't have to solve every part of it. Like there's an ecosystem that you're a part of and you can kind of like work within that. So that's like a pretty good, I don't know, first thing to work on yeah. without having to go zero to a hundred in terms of um, full on SaaS product and like finding customers where like I guess that's that's one of the things like it can open up um, a marketing channel just by knowing who your audience is and where they hang out and things like that Um, and then yeah I like the you said it's like simple and that's like kind of what you want is like you took this like opportunity that you're like you could have gone and maybe maybe you'll find out what is the right call like you could have niched down a step further and been like we're making the agile coach uh like slack bot that like is you know we're gonna run your retros or we're gonna like assign your retros and like these things but you've like abstracted a level higher which like maybe you would have found in a month or two that like you're kind of like oh we should have gone a level higher to give because people want to use this for other things or they want to rotate on 
you know, you've already recognized there's opportunity to like rotate different things other than just who's running the standups this week, who's running the backlog grooming sessions. And yeah, I think that's smart because like when you find that right level of abstraction, then you can kind of like, I don't know, things become easier both in the coding, but also how you sell this and position this. Um, Yeah. And I think like this is like an interesting example of the like build the skateboard. Like it's a shitty skateboard right now. Like it's not it's behind the scenes like it it's not nice um i like am hesitant to show it to people because i'm like oh it's like uh it's pretty rough like i and actually i have a uh a a team next week that like i don't work with them anymore and they're like oh we just want to adjust this can you show us how and i'm like yep like but i like (laughs) this is like one like this is probably like one of our top developers in the company. So I'm going to be like, okay, like, like I'm, I feel embarrassed. Right. But, but like, I sh- it doesn't really matter. This is literally like the whole point of like, can you get it working and prove that like the thing that, that people are interacting with, like that works for them. Right. At least I know that mm-hmm. like the reminder portion of it is useful. And now I have like an example of like people wanting to be able to alter the, it themselves is like a desire. Like I know those things. And again, like, I could be totally wrong about um, how like how many companies have this 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 type of like need, but at least it's something that I see like in my world. And I think, um, yeah, this is probably the scrappiest way of, of proving an MVP like uh, that I can think of other than literally doing it manually for a certain period of time. It's great that like you have your own use case here in that like your company, like you have the use case internally and not just one team, but like potentially like multiple teams that want to take advantage of this and so you already have built in like these different group stakeholders that are going to pull you in different directions and so you'll be able to see what the commonalities are there right um versus like you know there is this thing like you build it for yourself like literally just for your one team like but because you're an agile coach like you're on multiple teams but if Mm -hmm. you were just building for one it's like you build it so custom and then it's like you start like coding i don't know people's names into the software you know versus like being able to abstract that away and it's like gonna give you yeah some really good insights like maybe you don't build every feature that is asked for from the different teams but you'll start seeing those common patterns and it'll give you better guidance and then that goes yeah you know there's still the problem of is it just a a problem that we have inside our company or is it something that is wider and you know then you can start taking this to your network of like other people in the space and like see if they are experiencing similar challenges and like yeah but you at least get to maybe put a bit of polish on that and be slightly less embarrassed by it i still think it's good to be embarrassed by the first thing that you release honestly like but like be slightly less embarrassed by the time that it gets like out the doors of like your uh first group of like uh, right customers and that's kind of the whole point of like doing an alpha or beta is like see how those things like don't overbuild and everything uh and then have to like uh dig yourself out of this hole that you've made like you just build the bare minimum and then go from there i don't know i think it's really cool yeah and i think this is also like it's a learning experiment of like it's easy to tell people to do these things and then like yeah like i have to go through these things on my own too like in my life in my work of like presenting stuff really early before i'm comfortable whether it's related to like a product or not and like recognizing and being able to empathize with like 
you know, I just expressed to you, like, I'm embarrassed, you know, and, and, and like being able to understand that other people will feel like that when you're telling them to like publish something that they know is less than their capabilities. Like, right. Cause that's not, that's not what this is about. Right. It's not about like how good of, how great of a developer are you? Um, but mm-hmm. one last thing I I'll say, which I think you've touched on like different times in episodes is like building products that have opinions baked into them. And I think this one, like, very much represents like an, a, a strong opinion that I have as a professional, which is that like self-managing teams should rotate responsibilities because it's like healthy for the team. It promotes like individual growth. I think um, it keeps your job more lively and exciting. And I've, I've seen the difference between um, somebody who's responsible for the same meeting every single day versus like switching it up, the effect that it has on that person and also the rest of the team. So it's not just like for me, like, here's a fun rotation if you want to use it. Like, no, this is like connected to a legitimate recommendation that I have for self-managing teams is that like you should be rotating your responsibilities. And so I think that also like connects to, to content in a certain way. Um, I mean, mm-hmm, a limited definitely. amount of content, but I think it's like a, uh, it's a, a stronger sell that like, it's not just, you know, here it is if you want to do it for fun, you know? Yeah, no, it's like, it helps you in your positioning in a market of like, you know, why, like, what your principles are that you're like standing on or like what you're basing your yeah um business on i guess and and like you can yeah you can put yourself in a corner against other competitors that maybe have differing beliefs or whatever so like it's yeah i I like that part a lot about it um so i mean i will cut it there because i don't think i've ever been so long-winded with my updates or chats but um, i love it yeah that's kind of what's going on for me right now and uh, I guess my last statement is for anyone who's very concerned about me taking on a business with my partner, I should preface that we met uh, through work. So I'm confident that we can work quite well together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I mean, I've heard the argument against and for that, but oh, I, for I've sure, yeah. also seen like really good examples in, you know, I listen to so much like, I don't know, startup podcast type things and like, you're i don't know i've just seen like some really good examples of like couples that have built like really cool companies and because it's so many of the same like things that are needed to be able to communicate in a relationship and and a working relationship like a you know and and so like figuring that out like if you have one figured out or yeah it it can just help you yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. exactly no one ever has that fully figured out yeah Yeah. like maybe if you're like in an explosive state don't don't incorporate something together but yeah no i mean we'll see how it goes but uh that was like half joke half half real but um yeah Yeah, it could be interesting as many jokes are (laughs) (laughs) half joke half real what about you any like uh anything that you wanted to kind of give updates on this week I don't know. I don't even think that I really have anything like of uh, too much value. I I don't know. One thought is like just um, I've been listening. Uh, like I listen to some other podcasts like this, and then it's it's interesting to hear um, sometimes when they get all meta and introspective about like is this even valuable like to people or like is it just like droning on about like. I did this, I did that each week. And yeah. like, I think it kind of depends on like how much like we dive into those topics or like question each other on it and stuff like that. And I've been thinking more about that of like, you know, maybe I, you know, should I just include like, here was my week or like, here's the things that I think can be pulled out into some 
level of like helpfulness you know to other people and like there are definitely things in this past couple weeks but i am also in a bit of a like situation where i can't like i also don't want to overshare early yeah and i guess that's like the second point of uh like this thing is like um i don't know i think i lean on the side of like just sharing as i go but there are also some times where maybe it's like I don't know, sensitive uh, subjects or like things that shouldn't be shared in advance. Like, uh, I don't know, uh, like just it might even be a feature like later down the road when you have like competitors that are listening and stuff. I don't think that's at all a problem right now for for me. But like there are some things that like maybe it just makes sense to like wait a bit until there's like a bit of resolve or resolution around an issue and and then like speak to it. Um, But I can also one thing that I really love about listening to like other podcasts like this is hearing people chew on like, what are they actually like struggling with on a week to week basis? And it kind of like, you know, yeah, maybe each episode isn't extremely um, focused on a topic or anything, but like it is kind of relatable in this way that you're like, Oh, they're just trying to figure out things. They have no idea about something. And then over the next few weeks, they, put time to it and figure it out and yeah. like i kind of like a lot of that so yeah i think uh, it's like um i like all different styles of podcasts i think i became enamored with kind of the the i don't know diary style update podcasts from listening to art of product but i also mm-hmm. oh my gosh why did i just blank on the name of uh the people who make honey badger what's their yeah founder quest founder quest i love that podcast i think they're on a hiatus right now um, I've picked up some other ones as well. And I think like, um, yeah, I've learned a lot from listening to theirs and having our own. Like, so for example, I've listened to some where people will like come with ideas and then not execute and like come with ideas and not execute. And I was always like, oh man, you like told me you're going to do that thing. And then I realized like, oh, I'm that person. That's me. I've had a ton of ideas on this podcast and I don't have a lot to show for that, but it's just like that if you know me is like a big aspect of my personality. I'm like a very big idea person. And sometimes I get really um, like, like I get, uh, I hit a wall with execution and I've always been like, because I'm not a developer because I don't know how. And so I think like right now I hopefully have like, I've hopefully learned from that and I'm trying to do something with someone who has some skills that I don't. Right. Um, But I felt like embarrassed about that and it's made me not want to share things, but I think it's just like, I'm a human, you're a human. And then the second point that you touched on is like, I've also seen people exercise different levels of restraint in terms of holding back, like maybe like what their company name is or like exactly what they're releasing or what the features are. And sometimes I find that annoying because I just want to know, but I guess I respect it. Like got to run a business. Like, I don't know, but this is just because I'm selfish, you know? Like, yeah, it's I like, no, just give me the goods. Yeah, like, I've been listening for a year now. Like, I feel like, can I like pay <laughs> to get your page? Can you like, how do I know? I don't yeah, know. Anyways, yeah. those are like my high level thoughts on that. I, uh, but I enjoy the time for conversation. And if anyone else even like enjoys listening to 10, 15 minutes of it, that's great. If you want to listen to the whole thing, you're probably on a very long walk. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's interesting to like, think about how people consume these like i'm usually like washing the dishes or like doing something else like walking the dog Mm -hmm. and you know these things that like i don't know sometimes i disconnect and i just go and you know walk and don't listen to anything but for the most part i'm okay to just like 
you know yeah like enjoy a nice podcast on a walk and like just go an extra couple blocks be because i got like you know friends in my ears sure. <laughs> that are like just telling me about something and i'm not like learning just about like how people are running their companies thinking through strategies and like i, I feel like it's given me like up and hopefully like yeah i don't know i think i guess i've seen this kind of there's like uh, so the indie hackers community is like uh they have a podcast and i think they started like working with other podcasts around uh like kind of trying to like improve them like and some of them are these update styles ones mm -hmm. and and it's kind of like trying to bring them more to be like give the value like what is the to be more valuable like right immediately and I, I don't know how much i agree with that way of doing it where it's like at the start of the episode it's like you know giving a description of exactly what the podcast is about like i'm on my journey to build this product and kaylin's doing this and balancing full time and like yeah you know it's like i don't know that's kind of what the like very first episode was for and then you know in this episode we talk about this this and this and it's like i mean you can do that and like try to pull out things but i feel like there's a certain amount of like forcing it as well or like if you're i don't know just trying to pull out like like advice in itself can be like dangerous because it's so contextual mm -hmm. so if you're like only looking at what you're working on and saying like oh like this will be valuable to people but it's like only if they are in my exact shoes right. <laughs> you know I, like it might a lot of this advice like is really hard to give absolutes on so i, I yeah. don't know those are just random things i'm thinking about I, uh, it's like an interesting thing to explore i feel like we're a bit similar with this podcast and that like it's not like a massive marketing tool for us right now we're super happy to like meet people learn that people are listening have conversations about it when people bring it up with me like i love that um but it's also like it's for ourselves too um Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, I think that while other people might not say that out loud and like, of course you're like, you're trying to create a product that's, that's valuable to, to other people. I think that, um, to some extent this can also like, it's fine for it to be for ourselves. Like, I think anyone who's doing a podcast, it's for themselves to some extent. Um, I think those extents just like differ a little bit or a lot. Yeah. I think we said that even in the very like early episodes of like, we do this kind of because like, you know, it's like we would love to be having these conversations anyway like with each other to like check in and like see how you're doing and like i think it's helped me and hopefully helped us both to like i don't know just have this like i don't know bit of a like for me it gives me a, a push to like i don't know move forward and like have like to work on interesting things like it's a reminder to just keep like checking in on right. like what i'm doing and like you know trying to make something not like newsworthy but like just uh, reflecting i guess like right. i think it's it's almost like each week you get a little chance to give like a retrospective and like see like how things have been going and how things can be improved upon and uh as opposed to like i don't know maybe that just happens over like you forget to do it for like six months or a year so yeah i, I mean like yeah, i would been... i would agree that maybe like you and i should have a session and just do like a short retro on like what would we change? What is working? Um, cause that could be interesting, but I think mm -hmm. overall, like if people enjoy this, that's awesome. If you are looking for something else in a podcast, I'm sure you and I have lots of recommendations and I am 0% <laughs> offended. 
Um, yeah. But like right now where I'm at with this is like, I'm not going to wake up on a Sunday morning to do something that I really don't want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just not like the reality of where I'm at in my life. Um, yeah. I'm going to, no, I'm going to do this the way different- that I want to. Yeah. Yeah, that's a different type. Like I've thought of, you know, maybe you, you use a podcast as a marketing tool for your business, but like, yeah, that would be a way different like alignment of like who I'm targeting. Like I would be building content for those people, you know, if I'm targeting like product manager, product owners or like I don't know, founders. I mean, I guess this kind of works for founders, but like, you know, a very specific niche. I would like, yeah, maybe then I'd make topics and like interview specialists in those areas and like i think there's a different uh difference there in like building an audience or a a customer base through like using it as a marketing channel and what we're trying to do which is like kind of more on like the self-improvement and like maybe like building our network like it's helping us to uh, like build our you know it can help us reach other people we've already seen like some people that we've both looked up to like sharing this podcast mm-hmm. and listening to it and stuff like that and that's been really cool so i think that part has been great so also like if somehow you're still listening to this at an hour and you don't personally know cam or i could you please like tweet at us because i think that would be super interesting um <laughs> and if i get no tweets that's cool too i'm just like when i look at the views i sometimes think like i don't have that many friends i don't know about you um that's not to say it's an astronomical number but like i just don't have a lot of friends so uh yeah i'm curious <laughs> yeah it, it would be interesting to hear from more people i i definitely you know have heard these call outs before and people and i don't necessarily but sometimes i do just like reach out to uh people in these podcast who make this style of podcast and i'll just be like love what you're doing or like yeah if they're like chewing on something like i'll yeah reach out and uh and that's kind of cool is like you can have this like this that's what's cool about like twitter and podcasts and stuff like you can just go and like reach out to them and like jump on a call or something like and like like work together or start yeah yeah expand your network and that's been really cool i think that's the thing like i don't imagine that most podcasts i listen to i don't feel like the hosts want to be my friend but like if you're listening to this like i probably want to be your friend so yeah just like uh tweet at us i see like a lot of people and we'll wrap it but like a lot of uh while we're on this subject like i think a lot of these podcasts end up doing these like guest episodes to like build their follower count maybe you know it's like but we haven't really done a lot of that like we we brought in our partners on one episode and like you know there will be like other guests here and there but like i feel like we haven't tried to like Cause like, I guess the idea there is they'll share it with their networks mm-hmm. and get everyone listening. And you know, I, I don't know how much that, uh, matters to this. Like we, we could do a campaign of like, you know, bringing in all these people, um, to, but I also don't think I'm a great interviewer. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's a skill that I want to work on. Maybe it will be. And then we'll just yeah. start doing that. I don't know. Yeah. I think we can close on the note that if you're ever running for anything that like, your name fits into campaign. So this is, that's just basically what stuck out to me when you said campaign. Um, <laughs> I won't tell you what my old rap name was. Then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save it for next week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, I guess we'll wrap it there. Um, if anyone does want to say hi, you can find us on Twitter at WorkPals. Yeah. See you later. Take care.